But more than anything else, I think the president needs a defense. What did you do once you learned the siege had happened? And you can't show that with a video. So you can convince the jury that someone should not be elected again with video. You can't convince them they should be barred from running again. You need the people who called the president. What did you tell him? What was his response? Was he aware of the gravity of the situation? You need witnesses. And, and his lawyers better present a factual defense, um, or he needs new lawyers. That's uh, former Congressman Trey Gowdy talking about what he saw in impeachment uh, so far this week. We just got a little update here. Senior aides on the impeachment manager's team tell CBS News that they're prepared to move to four hours of questioning in the Senate impeachment trial of Trump as soon as this afternoon. It's unclear whether witnesses will be called. Um, As Trump's attorneys prepare to argue their case starting at uh, noon on Friday... Democrats say they're confident their position will remain strong. We thought we'd talk with someone smart about this. Lon He Chen, we have on every Friday. David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution there at Stanford and the host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Also, uh, Lon He went to Harvard Law in his lawyer. And uh, good morning, Lon He. And uh, hello. Where I don't know where you are. I don't know what time zone it is. I have no idea where you are. Um, good morning, Jack. Uh, I'm in California. Since you went to Harvard Law... What did you think of that legal performance there at the beginning of Trump's defense from Mr. Castor? Well, look, I, you know, my challenge with this is, generally speaking, in legal matters, when you go to a process argument, right, an argument about, you know, some element of this uh, process was defective as opposed to the substance of uh, defending your client, for example, uh, that's an indication that, you know, you think your case is weak. And unfortunately, that's the message it sends. Uh, unfortunately, that is for uh, President, former President Trump and supporters of former President Trump. Well, so that, think- and, that and the fact that it was a rambling mess. I mean, so that's the that's yeah. the, the strategy. And then the actual pulling it off of it, it was just a rambling, he was winging it mess. I really, honest to God, feel like I could have done a better job. And I don't know yeah, anything. I think, a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, look, I think Trey's right. Trey Gowdy's right in terms of, of what you've got to do if you want to uh, to defend President Trump in this proceeding. You, you, you have to go to those questions. You have to go to the substance. You have to go to this issue of who knew and when and, you know, are all those facts available as opposed to to the process piece. I think that's really important. So here's a theory we've been operating on all week long, and I, I didn't come up with this on my own. I, did, I take in a lot of podcasts and read a lot of smart people like you, and um, uh, this is what some people believe, and this is what makes sense to me. Uh, goal number one would have been, it would have been awesome, I think. The Democrats would have loved if they could have got you know the conviction and then have the vote that he could never run again. That would have been choice one. But they realized that was never going to happen. So they went with choice two, which was craft an article of impeachment that Republicans could come up with a way to vote against. They want all, they want all the Republicans, as many as possible, to vote against it. They're going to show all this video. They're going to use this stuff in ads leading up to the election. And they're going to say, Bill Jones, in your district, allowed this to happen and thought it was okay and voted to, you know, no on, a, on impeaching President Trump. Their goal was to put Republicans in a terrible position. Their goal all week long has not been to try to convince 17 people to vote in the affirmative. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. So let's back up for a second, Jack. I mean, the reality is impeachment is not 
is not a legal proceeding. Right. Okay? It's, a, it's a political proceeding. I said this about the, the, the impeachment that we saw last year. Every impeachment trial is at the end of the day, this is not a court of law. All right. This is the Senate with a bunch of politicians sitting as jurors. Uh, Mitch McConnell got a lot of grief when he said, look, I'm not sitting here as an impartial juror. I'm sitting here as a member of the United States Senate. Sure. He was stating a truism, which is that this is a political process. So, yeah, I, I think fundamentally the way Democrats are approaching this, because once they figured out they weren't going to be able to get a conviction against the former president, what they want to do is put Republicans in a tough jam politically. They want to be able to create a situation where if Republicans vote against this, uh, it keeps Trump as an issue for Republican candidates for Congress going into 2022 and, and all over the country, for that matter. And they know that that will put them at a disadvantage in certain parts of the country, certain swing districts that are competitive. And so this is all about putting pressure on those members of Congress politically, not legally, politically. And so I think it's important for people to recognize, sure. you know, because we can get that mixed up. It's called a trial. It has all of the you know, all of the signs of being a legal proceeding, it is not a legal proceeding. It is a political one. I don't understand why that doesn't get pointed out more often. And then they always talk to, you know, whatever show you're you're watching, they always talk to former prosecutors and lawyers about this. That drives me nuts. Yeah. Drives me nuts. They talk to politicians about it. The pol- yeah. People that are political strategists, because that's what it is. But so how do, so if you're a Republican and you vote no when the voting happens, and then when they run ads against you, um, what? How do you explain away your no vote? If you think well, you have to, maybe, maybe you, you know, you're you happen to be in a in a state or a district where um, uh, supporting Trump is is perfectly, you know, going to get you reelected. Yeah, and and by the way, most Republicans in the Congress are in that scenario. Right. They they are in they are in safe Republican districts, and it's really not going to matter one iota what they do here. And and in the same way, most of these senators are are probably in relatively safe Republican states. For for those who aren't, I think they will come back to this argument that look, they they had a vote on the constitutionality of this proceeding. Can you impeach a former president? The goal of impeachment is removal from office. Donald Trump is no longer in office. So can you constitutionally argue that this proceeding should be allowed to go forward? And those Republicans have already been on the record saying they didn't think it was constitutional. That's going to be what they say. They're going to, you know, they're going to be able to explain whatever they want to explain about their feelings on Donald Trump at the time. But clearly, this is going to be seen as a question of could this could this proceeding move forward from a constitutional perspective? They're going to say it couldn't. They're going to use that as, as as their explanation. I think that's fairly clear. Politics is so cynical, and no wonder it turns so many people off. So this was a horrible thing that happened on January 6th, obviously a horrible thing. But this approach to the, the, the impeachment is, you know, completely cynical, as we've just laid out. If they if they truly, you know, deeply with tears in their eyes felt that this should never happen again and we need to do something about it, it's, we all come together, Americans, they would have tried to convince Liz Cheney to be one of the House managers or gotten some other Republicans involved. Uh, they would have broadened the uh, articles of impeachment, but it's a very cynical attempt. And then, of course, the other side is being cynical also. Yeah, well, that's un- un- the unfortunate thing about our politics, right? I mean, I- I've said from the beginning of this uh, whole proceeding that you got to think about all of the different problems we're facing as a country right now and how we're dealing or not dealing with those problems. You know, what happened on January 6th was unconscionable. It was horrible. Why don't we do what it takes to make sure that, that for example, the Capitol is properly fortified to make sure that those kinds of things don't happen again? Why don't we up funding for the U.S. Capitol Police? 
Why don't we make sure that there are proper measures in place to to protect critical infrastructure? Why don't we do those kinds of things instead, right? I mean, Congress, I, the, the funniest thing I read once is that, um, well, you know, the Senate can walk and chew gum at the same time. No, they can't. They can't do both. <laughs> so you, 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 you either do this, what they're doing now, or you spend time working on the problems facing the American people. And they have made a choice that, you know, th- those who are in charge of the Senate now, Chuck Schumer and, and the Democratic Party, have made the choice that they want to focus instead on politics. And, you know, that's fine. That's their prerogative. They're in charge. Elections have consequences. But that doesn't mean that we don't have very important problems that need to get solved. Well, those, uh, that video they put together was pretty rough. That was pretty damning. Awful. And, and, and by the way, uh, you know, no one should be able to, to defend, you know, the, the, the things that Trump said that day or the actions that people took. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't also excuse the senator's responsibility now to solve problems. They were elected to Washington to solve problems, not to sit around and grandstand. Now, unfortunately, we all know that that's a very Pollyannish view I have, probably, that they should actually be there to solve <laughs> problems. But I would hope I would hope that there are some still left who, who think that way. We're talking with Lon He Chen now a year ago. I'm guessing that uh, when we were talking about the impeachment at that time, I'm guessing that I said, because I know I said it a whole bunch of times and you probably did, too, that. We said that, you know, later this year when it's time for the election, nobody's going to be talking about this impeachment and the Ukraine phone call. Nobody. And nobody was. But I don't think that's true with this go around. Um, uh, you know, maybe if Trump's not in the mix of the election at all, you know, I don't, I don't know if you're going to tar the Republican Party with it. But if he were to try to run again, I think the, I think those, you know, the timeline, the video, the, 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 the tweets about that, I think that could leave a mark. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean. And I think, look, you see that there was more bipartisan support for this impeachment proceeding than there was for the one last year, because quite simply, this one, um, there are elements of this that are that are very, very uh, challenging and difficult and, uh, and 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 do point at the at former President Trump in a way that is not not good at all. So, yeah, absolutely. I think this proceeding is is different. Um, all that having been said, you know, 2024 is a long ways away. Um, and, you know, Jack, I think a lot of things are going to change True. now. We'll see how, how, how people sort this out. I mean, you already see, for example, Nikki Haley put out a, a, an interview last night in Politico where she basically, you know, uh, you know, distances herself from the president. I think that's probably the best way to think about it from, from President Trump. And I, I anticipate you're going to see people who have ambitions of running in 2024 begin to do the same sorts of things, you know, try to figure out how do they position themselves in terms of Donald Trump. And, and that's going to be the balancing act over these next couple of years. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, I keep thinking of the, 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 the midterm elections, which, you know, get here fast. But four years is a long time. We could have a dust up with China or Iran and nobody will be talking about any of this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, one final question. I was watching ABC News coverage last night. And uh, Rahm Emanuel, who is a pretty good, he's not a lawyer, he's a political strategist, he he understands this as politics. He said, the wind is at the back of the Democrats right now, but he said when this is over, and it might be over this weekend, he said they got to move away from Trump. If they continue to beat up Trump, people are going to say, God, you guys just can't let go of this whole Trump thing. they got to move on. What, what, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I do think they need to move on because at some point, hopefully, Republicans are going to find a message about what they actually want to do. To, well, that's to uh, that'd be something. People move forward. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and and at some point, I think you're right. People are going to grow exhausted of talking about Donald Trump. He's not the president anymore. You know, he's he's off Twitter. 
He's off Facebook. Who knows, you know, what he's doing on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't matter anymore. It's not of consequence what he's doing. What matters is what, what, what are people going to do going forward? And by the way, if Biden continues to push in a very partisan way for his policies, like he's pushing for this $2 trillion stimulus now, even though Republicans came to the table to try to work with him, if he keeps pushing forward in, in this kind of way, it is going to engender a, a lot of discontent with people who supported him because they thought they were picking a guy who would be more bipartisan, a guy who would be more healing. That's just not what we're seeing so far in his approach. And I think that's a very dangerous thing for Democrats. Do you think impeachment wraps up this weekend? They actually get the voting done and it's all over? I think they very much. I think the the people on Capitol Hill, the members of Congress, very much want it to be wrapped up this weekend. I I think it'll go relatively quick. I think if not by this weekend, certainly early next week. Yeah, Marco Rubio told some radio show that he thought they might vote on Sunday. So, um, yeah, it's possible. But then it's just over. That might be the complete end of the Trump story. Yeah, I, I mean, and and then it'll it'll be up to to you know we'll see what Trump ends up doing you know with his next act because there will be a next act there and he's got a way of attracting attention and he's I've got, noticed that you know, yeah and 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 he's got a lot of people who who feel very strongly about about him and who are very supportive of him and and that following is not going anywhere so I think it's going to be interesting to see how he parlays that support. And whether that support degrades over time, as it does for all former presidents, by the way, all former presidents are, are most popular when they leave office generally. And then that that popularity fades over time. If they leave with with good approval ratings, that tends to fade. Lonnie Chen, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. A host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lonnie Chen. I see him pop up on various shows like Face the Nation or whatever now and then. But I really appreciate your insights today. Thank you, Jack. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all for it wrapping up this weekend and then we just move on with our lives. All right. Unless something happens, the the Trump story is in the rearview mirror for a while, at least, all right? And we just talk about the future. The pandemic, the stimulus package, getting kids back in school, all the things that really matter. That would be just awesome. Uh, Text line 415-295-KFTC. Need to tell you about the whistleblower in New York State about the governor and the old folks' homes and the people dying. That's a a rough story. They They found the bones of a legendary pirate, which is very exciting. And a bunch of other stories. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Receive timely Will gentlemen suspend? I'm sorry, Mr. Emmer? Yes. Are you okay? I am. You're upside down, Tom. I, I don't know how to fix that. Would he turn right side up? And get it right side up? I don't know how to fix it. It's a good dollar. FYI, you can stand on your head as well. Okay, the. I appreciate the you you're, you're going viral, Tom. <laughs> Somebody doing a Zoom conference who was upside down. <laughs> Maybe. Our lawmakers can't figure out webcams. <laughs> That scares me. <laughs> that they're all too old to use basic technology? Yeah. And they're making decisions about our lives? Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's their jobs to regulate the companies that put hey, whatever. I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure everything's fine. Stand on your head. <laughs> At least you're not a cat. That was pretty clever. <laughs> I'm not a cat. I'm here. I'm willing to go forward. <laughs> I'm not a cat. Um. Uh. Okay. Speaking of technology, my shoe is squeaking. Um, my shoe is making a really loud noise when I walk down the hall, and I can't figure out what's going on there. I hope it's my shoe and not my foot. 
<laughs> one of those would be a much serious issue, more serious issue. Yeah. yeah, my shoe is just making a really loud noise, and it's bothering me a great deal. I'm not sure what's going on there. I thought I had something stuck to the bottom of my shoe, which is gross. Sometimes you do that, you get that <laughs> sound, and then you realize there's like gum or a sticker or something on the bottom of your shoe. It's just, just gross. All one, of, one of your air pockets popped if you got one of those shoes. But that could be it. Yeah. That could be it. Um, one of the most famous pirates of all time. They found his bones 300 years after he sank. Uh, I never heard of Black Sam the Pirate. So that, so <laughs> then, the first I've heard of it. So, so then I thought, well, you can't call him one of the fam- most famous pirates of all time if I've ever heard his name. Turns out he is, even if I haven't heard the name Black Sam, he is um, considered the most successful pirate in world history. In U.S. modern dollars, he was able to steal $120 million cruising up and down the seaboard there off the east coast of the United States. Why is my first response to that cool? These are terrible people. They're terrible people. They, they, They murdered, they raped, they stole money that didn't belong to them. But for some reason, because it was way, way, way back in the old days, we look at it as kind of cool and weird. I don't know why we do that. But uh, they think they found his ship, and they're going to bring it up and do all kinds of studies and see what they learned historically. 300 years ago, this 28-year-old pirate went down, and he'd taken $120 million over the years. Really uh, kind of an interesting story. Um, We got other things to get to. How violent or how dangerous are violent video games? The latest study on that? You're going to want to know that if you're a parent. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Specifically, I want to talk about three things. The third thing is, I guess, really paramount to the Northern Union what we have, and I guess really also with both the Democrats and the Republicans. And I say that because I know I did. By telling everybody, and again, I'm from Washington, so when I say everybody, I mean, you know, a select group. Hopefully that we, and then I guess, I don't, but I know some people who have. The very last thing I'd like to point out is this. What, if any, and if not, how much? I think that's the question. <laughs> the answer, I think, lies, there's that word again. But speaking of politics, I do know that, that it's almost time to boogie out the wrong thing. You know, what we have, and I guess, really has that to a notion. So until then, you're on your own. Remember what I've always said. You're never completely worthless. You can always serve as a bad example. <laughs> That's uh, somebody mocking. Somebody mocking the first Trump lawyer, who sounded more or less like that. Um, unfortunately for the president, his second lawyer did a much better job, and kind of assuming he'll take the lead today uh, when the uh, Trump team launches their defense. I-, I haven't heard anybody right, left, or center who defended the performance of uh, Trump's first lawyer with his rambling, nonsensical, winging it, uh, killing time, like. Um, Trevor Noah said, it sounds like what you do if you're trying to kill time while the actual lawyer is stuck in traffic. (laughs) (laughs) It's what happened there. So this is turning into a more interesting story than I would have guessed. Gina Carano. I don't know if you ever watched The Mandalorian or not. Whether you did or not, you don't. This is all you need to know. She was one of the stars of the show, and she is a former... Um, what do you call it? Mixed martial artist. Yeah, and she's super buff. She looks like a bodybuilder. She's she should beat the hell out of anybody you know. Um, and attractive, and uh, she's an action figure. And she was in this Disney show, The Mandalorian, 
And she tweeted some stuff the other day that was uh, uh, conservative and uh, edgy, no doubt about it, and uh, too edgy for Disney because they fired her. And um, I thought that would be the end of the story because that sort of thing happens all the time. But it's getting more attention, including by Jonathan Chait, who we love, we've had on many times over the years. He wrote a piece for New York Magazine. Firing actors for being conservative is another Hollywood blacklist. Let me read a little bit of this for you. In the late 1940s and 1950s, Hollywood studios, under pressure from the right, promised they would not knowingly employ a communist. This blacklist eventually became notorious, especially in Hollywood, which came to lionize its victims in several films. And yet it is becoming increasingly difficult to distinguish the blacklist policy from the emerging current treatment of right-wingers. Earlier this week, Gina Carano, an actor in The Mandalorian, was fired from her job after a controversy over an allegedly anti-Semitic social media post. In short order, UTSA, her talent agency, dropped her as a client. Many media accounts have taken the anti-Semitism charge at face value. USA Today, an anti-Semitic Instagram story that she shared from another user, is what USA Today said. The post in question which triggered a social media firestorm that quickly led to her firing and loss of representation, was not anti-Semitic by any reasonable definition. The Post simply argued, uncontroversially, that the Holocaust grew out of a hate campaign against Jews, which it then likened, controversially, to hatred of fellow Americans for their political views. This is what she wrote. Jews were beaten in the streets, not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children, Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? I think that's a really interesting thing to to say and discuss, um, actually. But uh, she got fired for it. Uh, Back to Jonathan Chait. I don't find this post especially insightful. I think it's interesting. It's... it's, um, Oh, what would be the right word? It's, I don't want to call it childish. It's, it's, it's a dumbed down 101 version of what happened. I think it's a good jumping off point for conversation. But anyway, Jonathan Chait said, I don't find this post especially insightful, but overheated comparisons to Nazi Germany are quite common, I'd say. And more to the point, not anti-Semitic. There's no hint anywhere in this post of sympathy for Nazis or blame for their victims. Many of the reports of Carano's termination string together the trumped-up offense of her post about Nazism with a series of controversial posts. The worst of them is a post insinuating elections are rife with voter fraud and should oppose photo ID, a claim that, while provably false, is also standard-issue Republican belief. The second most controversial post in her history is a very small joke in which she added boop, bop, beep to her Twitter profile before apologizing for the insensitivity of seeming to mock the practice of including pronouns in social media biographies. That should be allowable. The the remainder of her case history seems to consist of commonly held beliefs. I'll skip down to the next part. What's most striking about the news coverage of Carano's um, uh, being fired is the utter absence of any scrutiny of her employer of her now former agency. The tone of the reporting simply conveys her posts though they were through, as though they were a series of petty crimes, the punishment of which is in, in, uh, inevitable and self-evidently justified that she get fired. If you think blacklisting is only had 
bad if its targets have sensible views. I have some bad news for you about communism. While some victims of the McCarthy-era blacklist were liberals or progressives or refused to turn in the names of their colleagues, others were bona fide communists. This is really interesting. Where are we going with this sort of thing? Um, none of the things I just read should, should cost you your job. How did we get here? Where are we going? How far is it going to go? It's absolutely fascinating. I'm glad that there are more. Um, Jonathan Chait, I would consider a, a classic liberal, as with Bill Maher and uh, a lot of other people we've talked about over the last several months, the classic liberals who are standing up for people get to say stuff. And if it's, if it's clunkily worded or, uh, uh, you know, not on the side you agree with, they get to say stuff and they don't lose their job for it. We're never going to be able to have any conversations about anything. If, if you could get fired for that, it's, it's really interesting. I wonder if she regrets that. I wonder if, I wonder how other actors or, or, um, anybody in the public eye will respond to that. Well, I, I, I know how I respond to it. I feel more scared of voicing my opinion on Twitter or this radio show or anywhere else and, and think more before I talk, which I suppose some of you would think is a good thing since you consider, um, you know, certain speech the same as uh, violence. But uh, I don't know. We'll follow that story and see if there's any uh, any backlash whatsoever. Certainly, other, get a other lot than more. What we've seen certainly a lot more traction than I thought the story would initially get. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I, I'm happy to see that it's getting traction and people saying, "Oh, wait, come on, how far are we going to go with this?" Wait, are, I, we're I've supposed gotten, to have conversations about complex things. I've no. gotten so accustomed to people getting canceled. I thought, okay, well, she's done. Okay, well, he's done. Okay, well, she's done. Um, I don't know if this was the, you know, uh, a bridge too far or just one too many or what, but I'm glad there's some pushback from some, uh, somewhat surprising sources, uh, on this. Yeah. If people aren't allowed to have their first draft of thoughts expressed publicly, right? Like, she, this isn't a, her fully formed final, uh, college thesis opinion on a matter. It's on Twitter. You're constrained by various things and it, people need to be allowed to express sloppy thoughts and have conversations and learn from them. Right. Everything is Twitter. Yeah, that's that's pretty well put. Everything on Twitter is taken as if you um uh, this this is your full belief. Um you put a lot of time and research into this. And this is your the summary and conclusion of all your thoughts. And it can't be uh, somebody says, "Yeah, but what about this?" and you say, "Yeah, well maybe that was too far, but how about this?" They can't have that sort of a conversation. There's something about it being on the internet or in print or whatever that people take it as more Seriously, I don't, I don't know. I can't quite wrap my head around the way we're reacting to these things. But um, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. That's probably enough of that. I got some more Valentine's stuff as Valentine's Day is Sunday. My kids get kind of excited about Valentine's Day, and they're too young to be into the whole uh, relationship part of it yet. For them, it's just, uh, you know, candy and flowers and uh, just kind of fun. Um, Sam filled out all his Valentine's Day cards last night with all his schoolmates names and they all just say kind of bland things like be mine or they haven't updated the verbiage not really <laughs> well those little plastic hearts they're not plastic no they, they aren't they taste like plastic they're chalk <laughs> is what they taste like those little chalk hearts still stay all exactly the same things be mine Yours, I, yours forever. I remember they updated when I was in high school to add things like page me, which, hey, great decision. That was relevant for four years. Page me. Hilarious. <laughs> Those things are awful. Oh, they're terrible. How have they not uh, bettered the candy selection for Valentine's Day? 
I, I always know what my wife wants. She's a, a nuts and chews. Those are the kind of candies she likes. You, you're nodding your head. You know yeah, what that's all about? Yeah, candy. Seize candy, oh, nuts yeah. and chews. Is that all women like that? or? Yeah, quite a few. Yeah. They're not cheap, though, are they, Michael? No, they're not. Yeah, they know that, too. <laughs> the little box is like 20 bucks. You get the big box, you're, you're looking at a $45 bill right there. The nuts and chews, that's funny. I thought she was unique that way, but that's a thing. Hmm. It eliminates, uh, if you get the like assorted box, there's a bunch of them they don't like. But if you get the, the nuts ones and that shoes, are like toothpaste filled or whatever those ones are. <laughs> yeah, I remember as a kid, you would try and quickly, you know, open them up so that nobody would notice just to see what was inside. And then you'd kind of put it back together, hoping. Yes, yeah, some of them are filled with Crest toothpaste <laughs> and some of them have some sort of cherry, I guess, something in there. It's red. It was fruit at one point, <laughs> apparently. It's red and gooey and a rather unpleasant flavor. Um, <laughs> it's a toe. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we got more stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Trump's impeachment lawyer, David Schoen, will reportedly be the public face of Trump's legal team, while Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, will be the public face of PetSmart's flea and tick dip. <laughs> what is that? What kind of a joke is that? <laughs> you haven't seen um, all the Giuliani ads? <laughs> so I, I want to read the last line from that article from New York Magazine from Jonathan Chate, and I, I, I should have done it at the time. I don't want to reset that whole thing. This is over the woman that got fired from The Mandalorian. Her name is Gina Carano um, for uh, some what are considered two right wingy uh, tweets. So uh, somebody texted that the mob had been trying to get her fired for a long time because she's on Trump's side. Is that true? Uh, I don't Trump's side might be a step, but she uh, she's tweeted about elections, frauds and uh-huh. security, stuff like that. And she was no darling on, on the social media left. So people have been gunning for her for a while. A, a little bit. Yeah. And then I think I, this, this seems so crazy to me. I don't know. I don't pay attention to what the politics are of any of the cast members of any of the shows I watch. Well, I just uh. partly you didn't grow up in an environment where the stars of the shows you watched had direct communication yeah, access yeah, to you. But yeah, yeah, well, they, yeah, I get it, but they still do, and I, I don't go looking for it. And I, like you know, I've been talking about Bruce Springsteen and his DUI. I hate his politics, and I think he's a bigot toward those of us who don't believe the same way as him and all that. But I still listen to his music. I would still pay to go to one of his concerts. I just don't get the whole. I don't get it, but. Anyway, so they've been gunning her for a while, but this is what Jonathan Chait wrote in the last line of New York Magazine about her losing her job with Disney and everything like that. To give you an idea that he's not some, you know, Trump supporter, right winger or something like that. His last line is, and actors ought to be able to work even if they support an authoritarian bigot like Donald Trump. So it's not like he's a Trump fan or anything like that or thinks Trump won or he just thinks, let her say that stuff and be the character on The Mandalorian for crying out loud. Do you, who thinks we're going to have a better society if people keep their mouths shut out of fear of offending anybody? How does that possibly make things better? 
if you don't want to, if, if I don't want to know what they think about it, so I don't go to their Twitter feeds. If you are interested in the politics of various actors and singers or whoever, then feel free to go to their Twitter feeds and, and listen to what they say at the concert. But then you're going to, if they say something you don't agree with, you're going to want them to be out of work? Yes. It just not, makes no sense to me. Really weird. And like I said, it, all it's going to do is stifle conversation. You're just going to have less people ever saying anything. How's that? I don't know. I'm, I'm so confused by this. Theory. Well, I guess you think, or the mob thinks, whatever mob we're discussing, thinks that they're going to actually win the day and get 100% compliance on their side. And uh, As soon as we get rid of the people who disagree with me, we will have peace. Or, more likely, what happens, one side gets enough leverage that the other side does have to keep their mouths shut because you can't, you know, you can't work. You can't survive. You can't coach your kid's little league team. You can't be in the workplace. You can't do what anything. So everybody on the one side keeps their mouths shut. I guess that's what uh, one side is hoping for. Uh, heck of a way to run a um, a free speech society. I had a couple other things I wanted to get to. I also think there's something uniquely about the job of Hollywood where acting, you know, good acting is probably not doesn't fall into this category, but acting in general is fairly easy. Getting picked for roles is the hard part of being a successful actor. Sure, of course it is, because there, there are, uh, I was going to say, a hundred, probably thousands of people that could do any role and do it just about as well. Right. So, with few exceptions. So that industry, more so than others, the people seem to be have this eggshell mentality of, I need not offend anyone, I guess. I, yeah, it's just the, the whole notion of, I need to be picked for me to be successful, it presents a unique issue with the, the Hollywood sect. Uh, going through a couple of the headlines of the day, um, scientists are working on one vaccine for all coronaviruses, which would include the common cold, and that would include any variants or mutations that come out of this particular uh, coronavirus. So a just there's something specific, and I'm not going to get into that. I've read about it, and I'm not smart enough to understand it. But there is something specific about the way coronaviruses are constructed by nature. And if they can come up with a vaccine that attacks that structure, all coronaviruses could respond to a single vaccine. And so that would be COVID, its variants, and almost all common colds. How freaking fantastic would that be? I'll bet science gets a a, a beat on that and gets that figured out. You know, it might not be any time soon. It could take years, but, oh, that'd be awesome. Of course, they've been working on a cure for the common cold for a very long time because the amount of money that would be in a cure for the common cold, holy crap. Um, and Biden announced yesterday that he has struck deals to purchase 200 million more coronavirus vaccine doses. Uh, and Dr. Fauci saying that he thinks we'll all be able to get in line at least starting in April. Everybody, the, the, the floodgates will be opened up for everyone to start getting the vaccine in April. When I actually around to get, get around to get mine or you get around to getting yours, I don't know. Uh, one other note on the coronavirus. Oh, we're currently at 10.5% of the U.S. population has gotten at least one dose. So one out of 10 Americans have gotten at least one dose. And uh, currently, right now, COVID-19, the lowest hospitalizations in nearly three months. So that's really good news and going the right direction. So happy to hear that. Well, I saw this article in the Wall Street Journal, and I just wondered, who does who reads this? Who clicks on an article like this? The right champagnes for Valentine's Day. I don't personally know anybody or have ever known anybody, I think, that would click on that particular article. An entire article written about that. 
The right champagnes for Valentine's Day. What if I got the wrong champ? I've never drank champagne on Valentine's Day. And then what if I got the wrong champagne for Valentine's Day? Oh, the horror. Relationship's over. <laughs> My mother was right. She said you'd pick the wrong champagne for Valentine's Day. Uh, the federal deficit is going to hit $2.3 trillion this year, second largest since World War II. Yay! Nobody cares. Federal prosecutors are investigating the GameStop trade frenzy for market manipulation or other misconduct. This is going to end up getting regulations put on the wrong side of the equation. I could absolutely believe that. Yeah. Um, nothing on the short-selling end by the giant hedge funds, but making sure that the little guy can never band together and punish anybody. You're that's, probably right. That's my fear. Disney added more than 21 million new subscribers to its Disney service. A recording of profit after two consecutive quarters of losses. That was big news. And then they get rid of what's-her-name from The Mandalorian. Say it again. Gina Carano. Um, and I, uh, we've gotten uh, at least a half dozen texts today from people who have canceled their Disney+. Plus. So it's interesting that they had such huge numbers. And we'll see if there's actually a dent put in that by people who are canceling them for canceling her. Britney Spears is in a court battle with her dad. The Free Britney movement. Maybe we'll, I will probably won't talk about that, but it's interesting what a crazy freaking family that is. The head of Tokyo's Olympics committee has stepped down after sexist remarks. I hope that doesn't throw a wrench in the Olympics that I don't think are ever going to happen. <laughs> uh, and we still haven't talked about Governor Cuomo's office lying about how many people died in old folks' homes. That is a giant political scandal and should be, uh, I hope it gets plenty of attention. And uh, it will hear next hour. Armstrong and Getty.